for Radio 1 91FM podcast. And do I have a treat, an absolute treat in my mind for all of you out there listening today. I'm joined by Bea Joblin and Sophie Lloyd to talk about their film Births, Deaths and Marriages, a feature brimming with Kiwi humour set in a 1990s upper hut home around a matriarchal family that sees a birth, a death and a marriage over a single weekend. Um, with a huge cast and a very small set, this um, was Bea's directorial debut which although already very impressive, it was featured in the 2019 NZIFF and now sees its overall premiere um, tomorrow in Dunedin as well, playing at Rialto, a film which was made over six years. The story behind it is just as interesting as the piece itself and it's so wonderful to have two um, integral people talking to us today. Um, kia ora guys, how are we? Kia ora, hey. good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Um, if I'm honest with you, very ashamed that I didn't manage to catch this at the end of IFF after watching the trailer and reading about it. It sounds amazing. We weren't even in Dunedin, so don't even worry. Oh, okay, cool. That, that, that makes me feel better. As a film student, that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, um, what an effort, what a journey for everyone involved. Um, Six years to now. Um, now you've got the, the full premiere. I appreciate you already had the NZFF premiere, but now you're in cinemas around New Zealand. How does it feel? feels a lot of things. It, um, partly it just feels like a relief that we've managed to uh, show the work of all the amazing cast and crew and everyone who's helped us. We get to show off their work um, in the way it, it deserves to be seen. Um, but, yeah, also a lot of pride. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought the end was at the NZIFF, and I thought... You know, this is amazing. This is it. Six years of hard work, and then it's just so great that now we've got like a week long that we're rolling out in all two the weeks. cinemas. Two weeks, yeah, and thirteen cinemas around New Zealand, and oh. it's awesome. That is awesome. Um, I can't. I mean, congratulations, of course, first and foremost, I guess. Um, um, so I guess the question, since I've mentioned it already twice, and so you guys have mentioned it. Um, so it took six years to create, and I understand that the story behind that is um, very complex and has a lot of points, but I guess could you sort of um, talk us through the major processes um, that you went through to get to this point? Yeah, so um, so a lot of the time that it's taken was to do with our inexperience, our lack of the credentials and reputation required to get the money to finish it. Um, <laughs> and so that was part of it. Um, and it was also that I had a baby in the middle, um, and I had my own struggles with mental health as well. And so trying to get a no-budget feature film finished when you are very young and inexperienced, um, you have to be top of your game and kind of uh, in, in perfect mental health to do that. So, yeah, so there was lots going on and lots that slowed it down. Um, there was a lot of wrong turns I took in trying to get the sound happening and that I... Um, kept going to like new grad soundies and asking will you do this feature film sound design for no money and they'd say yes for a while and then it'd be like oh no actually i won't so oh, <laughs> all that slowed it down but in the end sophie um knew when we needed support basically and we needed our um our mentors to come in and so she asked robin murphy and Ness simon just to look at it because we thought they might not want to actually help us but then they agreed to come on as executive producers and when they did the process sped up and started moving in the right direction quite quickly so yeah that must have been about what a year and a half ago at least that we approached yeah. them maybe two. even two years yeah it wow. just it feels like last week that <laughs> we approached them and then they sent us an email saying we'd like to come on board and help you guys produce this and get it out there yeah wow blimey I mean, I, I must, I can't, I, I can't imagine that the, the weird temporal feeling for all these processes all happening at once, of course, coming over to 
be released now. Um, and I, I did want to talk about the um, the writing, especially. Um, I guess then, um, B, understanding the process that you wrote the characters um, for actors that you knew in your life, or at least perhaps around. Most notably, um, your mother, who plays the matriarch in the film, Auntie uh, Auntie Nighty. Um, what inspired you to create characters around people you know? I mean, I know that a lot of writing processes do draw from that, but was there anything in particular that made you think that that would be you know, a salient idea for the production? Yeah, I mean, I guess I like the idea of filmmaking as collaboration and Fano and um, as a part of like long-term community building over time. So uh, the auditioning process um, can be quite anonymous and impersonal, and I never found it very respectful as an actor, so I was never drawn to that. And I always had so many people in my wider Fano and community who were amazing actors who I wanted to work with. So um, to write for people who I already had relationships with and I wanted to keep building working relationships with was a no-brainer for me um, and I kind of wedge into every interview that I do that um, there's a lot of ways that the film industry works that I just don't think uh, work best for the well-being of everyone involved in the actual product mm. um, and one of those is the yeah totally impersonal nature um, of the way things are done and I, I really want to um, build Fano over time in the way I work and, and or writing for people um, is just all part of it. Yeah. Mm. Be just amazing with especially dialogue. Like, I I work in the film industry mainly doing lighting, and this is the first feature film that I've edited and produced, which is amazing. But yeah, mm. I read a lot of scripts, and Bee's just got a really good knack for dialogue especially. It's just, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does sound like, however stressful, it does sound like you guys... Um, had a quite um, uh, quite an amazing working relationship to get to this point. Um, I wanted to ask, um, how did you come on board with the project, Sophia? Originally, was it um, were you already were you there at the ground level? Because I, I remember listening to an interview B where you talked about you, the idea came to you when you were in uh, Rangiora. Um, but how early on were you involved in the project, Sophie? We we talked about this last night. I can't remember B asking me. <laughs> We've just been working together for a couple of years before that. Um, as editor and director, and I, I mean, I might have even asked her, can I be involved, as soon as the script was done. I think I just assumed that you were involved. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as the script was done, I mean, I was flatting with the two production managers at the time, and we were just turned our flat into a production house. Yeah, and we were like, all together. Yeah, just the schedule was all over the wall, and we were going through scripts, and we had like photos of the actors. It was, yeah, it was such a cool experience. Oh no, that, that does sound really quite unique, I have to admit. Um, so to pick up on you on what you said before, um, B, about um, the general processes that come with making a feature film in New Zealand, there are many academics out there who um, have very strong opinions on the funding model of both the Film Commission and other creative bodies in New Zealand that do give and lend funding and the processes that lead to creating a film that might not necessarily be perceived as commercially viable overseas, which of course is probably one of the main criteria for a New Zealand film being produced. Um, but you did this no-budget film, which has received um, praise and appreciation. Um, how much more difficult do you think it is to make a film um, in New Zealand than overseas, especially an independent film like this? I think every filmmaker has challenges whether you work within the system or without. I think if you work within the system, you get screwed over emotionally and creatively <laughs> um, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you can <laughs> Um, in ways that could potentially be more pain than the pain of doing literally everything yourself, cooking all the food, taking the rubbish home at the end of the day, you know, every 
piece of dog work you do in a no budget context and you can yeah you can go through the hard work of constantly applying and constantly being rejected and applying and rejection and applying and rejection and that's really hard i never did that i um i think i saw that as more difficult than just um doing it this way um which felt like a lot of you know hard work but less um yeah less of the pain of of thinking oh i don't have the right to make this until this person decides that i'm a good risk to take and the mm. funny thing about funding bodies is like you say it's their job to pick films that they have a precedent will be um commercially viable but the thing about art is that people want what's new and um what people are going to love uh next is what hasn't been seen before and so that's the whole problem in the game of funding is mm. that um, we're making what we've already seen works. Well, that's not what's going to work next, you know? No, agreed. Very, very well said. Very well said. Let's just hope someone from the Film Commission is actually listening. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Um, I might get in trouble. I might get in trouble. Oh, surely not, surely not. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing that I find really quite uh, interesting about the trailer, of course, looking at the basic footage of the film that you've included, the handheld um, video camera style, like the home video style that you guys have employed, how did you come to settle on that? Um, that was a financial choice. So, you know, oh. we wanted to make a feature film for no money because we knew we couldn't, we probably weren't going to get any funding because why would we? Um, <laughs> and so you go, okay, well, we can do it really fast and on a pretty ca uh, crap camera uh, if we do it all handheld and make it look like um, VHS footage from the 90s. And so that's your, your choice that's about needs must, like it's all in one location, needs mm. must. But then both of those choices fed into the themes and the aesthetic of the entire film and into the joy of the sound design and just those limitations um, were where so much of the creativity was born from and that I think was also part of the edit you know like we had this footage that we made as 20 year olds which was you know if we if we shot it again we'd do it better but even the limitations of the footage that we got helped in the edit because we just had to we had to be ingenious <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was almost like it was our own family home video and we had to edit this you know like five years down the track from when we shot it we're like oh we needed this shot but we don't have it because of course you don't with a home video yeah, yeah it, it worked so much when we shot because it meant we could do an entire scene in one take and you do x amount of takes and then you can move on you're not using that time doing a a wide shot a mid shot and then the reverse and all mm. the other stuff setups in between and that's why we were able to shoot it in three weeks mm. Mm. we just get aiden's excellent view of the of the entire scene which i thoroughly did enjoy um great <laughs> um i have to ask um uh, B, you, you cast your mum in the film uh you directed it and you also had um, a young one as well in the meantime. Are you cultivating a new New Zealand film family? Is that something that you've been active, actively trying to do? Um, yeah, you know, f film and theatre dynasties are so funny because you always have the older members saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't choose a life of the arts. And the younger ones just, they see this way of life and it's just natural to them and they're drawn to it. Um, I don't know what my beautiful, darling daughter, Piata, will end up doing. Um, I won't mind if she gets into this. I won't mind if she doesn't. Um, she's her own amazing, wonderful person. So, yeah, maybe maybe you'll be interviewing her in 20 years or maybe you won't. I don't know. True, true. Well, I mean, either way, could, could, you know, this has set a nice precedent, I think. Hopefully not too much of a standard to meet again, regardless. <laughs> um, 
So I understand that when you had the original film edit, it was really rather long. You made a two and a half hour edit. Was there any scene <laughs> that you guys cut that uh, sticks in your mind as one of those golden tidbits that is only seen by your eyes and heard by your ears that you wish you could have shared? To be honest, after six years, you can't remember it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was taken out so long ago. Yeah, there were some things that were taken out, you know, in the first six months, and then there were some things that made it for, you know, five years, and then right at the end, they, they didn't make the cut. The, the only scene that I still sometimes miss is um, Dean's back. He's uh, brought flowers and chips. Well, tell him to bring a rat's ass, because I don't have one. And just like, that, that's a piece of dialogue. So that's the character of the bride who just says shit that doesn't make sense and she'll take like a common idiom and kind of like mangle it. That's the only thing that I miss. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do miss that one. So I've seen at the beginning when um, Tui and Shannon are kind of having a sort of argument with each other and yeah. uh, Shannon spills Maltesers all over Tui's laptop. Yeah. I always think about that scene whenever I watch it and that it's missing. Yeah. But what was interesting is we actually cut about that five or six characters from the film yeah which i oh, wow. always find amazing because when we shot it i thought this is going to be completely impossible to cut anything out because mm. of the way it's shot mm. and it's just amazing the way that we've worked around it and managed to cut things out mm. wow that, that is amazing i mean i guess you know testament um to the editing process and uh, and to you sophie and b um i guess then uh, I, ha I have a burning question because um, I grew up in England and I moved here and I think that the structure of comedy in England is very different um, for like, traditional sort of national style comedies. In New Zealand there seems to be a somewhat consistent sort of matriarchal style to a lot of comedy um, and even just to films overall where matriarchal structures seem to do very well. What do you think it is about that that is so appealing or, or really you know, correlates and responds to New Zealanders? That's so interesting you say that because um in my mind, you know, female representation on screen and older women, such as women in the matriarch role, are never being shown or aren't being shown enough. So that's a really kind of interesting new perspective. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I don't know because that's never occurred to me. Yeah. yeah, we do have a lot of female comedians in New Zealand. Yeah. And I guess a lot of New Zealand films, we make a lot of comedy because I think we're quite funny as a nation. Yeah, and we're scared of drama because we're a bit scared of emotions. I think we find comedy a bit easier. <laughs> yeah, you have to write um, like a book or an essay or something on that, and then I can read it. And yeah, because I think my lens is always where are the women? It's all the men's stories. It's all the men's stories. So maybe I'm missing those obvious things. Oh. Yeah. I mean, maybe I did. I did one. Um, I did a rather shockingly bad essay for a New Zealand cinema paper I took at uni last year. So maybe I'll have to give that to you. Yeah, do yeah, and we can learn from stuff. Oh, I mean, I've, I feel like I've learned more here than you could ever learn from my bloody academic writing. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you both. Um, it's so exciting to see this uh, come out to um, cinemas around New Zealand. Uh, I believe in Dunedin it is showing tomorrow at. Um, uh, the Rialto Cinema at 3 and 6.30pm hear that 3 and 6.30 if you can book now you should and if you haven't already why not it is an excellent comedy um, that took a long time to make and has a lot of love poured into it um, anything to say to people who aren't sure if they want to see the film or what would you say to tip them over the edge it's um, really funny and awesome and it runs from the 5th to the 12th so you have a whole week it, you've not seen it, anything like it before yeah it's unique <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Um, thank you so much for talking um, to us today, Sophie and B. Um, best of luck for the premiere and for all future projects for you both, which I can't wait to see. Oh, awesome. thank you so much. Thank you. No Have a wonderful thank night. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.
And that was B and uh, B Joblin and Sophie Lloyd uh, of the film Birth, Deaths and Marriages, like I said, premiering tomorrow. Get a ticket out for a week. It's going to be pretty packed, I imagine, just by the general consensus around the film, what people are saying. Um, I hope you enjoyed that discussion right now. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.